0: loudspeaker studios
1: hey there i'm your host sarah monarez and you're listening to the we podcast where together we find inspiration encouragement and growth through stories and real talk here we navigate the messy human experience together we raise our voices and speak our truth in this space we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected we are capable of growth and that we are not alone are you ready let's get real welcome to the we podcast today i have the amazing shannon curtis with me and just so you can get to know a little bit about Shannon, she has been making music for 25 years. First and foremost, first, she was the front woman for a Christian light rock band in her 20s while also being a pastor's wife. Then as a divorcee, she was composing broken-hearted love songs after leaving both her marriage and her religion. In the last decade, Shannon has developed both a passionate underground following and also an album-based songwriting style that's centered around taking her audiences on an intentional journey of personal growth, connection, and healing. This remains true in her new 80s-inspired synth-pop album Good To Me, which was just released and is very exciting. Shannon offers good to me as both a soundtrack and rallying cry for every person who knows that healing ourselves is the very first step to healing the world, which is so powerful, such a powerful statement. So I'm so excited to dive in with you, Shannon. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to be talking with you today yay all right so let's dive in so i got to listen to some of your music we will let our listeners know how to how to listen in as well but i love your story love what has kind of brought you to where you are today doing what you're doing and so why don't you just dive in and let everybody kind of know what has brought you to this place of writing these songs that are so, I mean, they're really mission-based songs, right? Mm. They have a a huge heart center, but also a mm. important, powerful message that you're getting out into the world as well. Mm, thank you for that. Yeah, you know,
2: I I've known for a long time that I not just wanted to do music, but felt to borrow from a previous from a previous version of my life, called to do music. <laughs> yes, and 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 it was a really. I mean, I had a moment when I was studying pre med biology in college where I knew that. I actually was not going to apply to medical school and I was going to do music because I felt just deep inside me that that's what I was supposed to do. And I didn't actually, I didn't, even though I was a practicing Christian at that time, I didn't associate that with a God moment or as a God moment, really. It was something else, but I knew it was undeniable. It was one of those things that your soul just knows, you know? And so I, 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 it was, it, it was scary, but I, but I set about trying to figure out how to be a person who makes music. Like that was just, it's completely unknown, weird path. To, you know, there's no prescribed path. And so you just really kind of have to make up, make up a bunch of it as you go along. So like the, like you mentioned in the bio, I was in a, a band for most of my twenties and we sort of straddled the line between being a Christian band and a, and a not Christian band. And we did a lot of touring and, and all that kind of thing. The band broke up right around, well, about a year after my marriage ended. And I began writing songs as a solo artist. And and I had left my faith at that point too. And I mean, everything in my life was turning over into something new, but still very much had no idea really what I was doing in terms of forging a path, making music. It's a scary, vulnerable thing to, to first of all, to create anything, anyone who's a creator out there, like, and just putting your words down on page, putting your brush to the canvas, how whatever your form of art is, it's a vulnerable thing to to create and to step into that. To try to figure out how to, you know, to to, you know, gain an audience and put yourself out there. It's just, it's constantly terrifying. Mm. <laughs> and and there's not really anyone, you know, to guide you. So I ended up several years after beginning my sort of solo career and and sort of floundering for a while, I was doing laps of, of, of travel around the United States and my Volkswagen Jetta by myself with my keyboard playing in coffee houses and small venues and, you know, picking up people on my email list as I went and, you know, slowly having this, you know, Trying, trying to make something happen. But mm-hmm. after several years of doing that, my second husband, Jamie, my, my now husband and partner in crime, he and I stumbled into this, this thing that we did for about a decade. We did almost exclusively house concert touring, which put us in the living rooms and backyards of people who support the music that we do. and And I'm telling you all of this because that form of presenting my music to people really informed the kind of music that I write, the kind of music that I make. Like... Being that upfront and close with people in those intimate settings really gave me a very close view on the power that music has to connect people with themselves in a deeper way and also with each other. And just began to see that that, that, that even though I, I knew I was supposed to slash wanted to be doing music for a very long time, it really wasn't until we started doing these house concerts that I... That I began to get my arms wrapped around the why. Why is this something that moves me? And so I began to write with that in mind. I began to write music in with with this purpose in mind. That really, what I'm doing is kind of like service work. Like I'm, I, I, I see, I see music and I see songwriting as a way to be of service to my community, so that I can bring ideas and experiences to people's lives hopefully that becomes sort of like a front door for them to walk through and find a deeper connection with themselves and with other people. Like that's what really drives me. That's what's really, that's what really excites me about what I do. And so that's kind of, that's kind of the story. The pandemic interrupted all of our house concert touring, obviously. Yeah. And so we've been having to search for new ways to connect and we've been, you know, figuring out how to do that, but the mission remains the same. And I felt very lucky and and just gr- grateful for the fact that I had this outlet especially during the the most difficult parts of the pandemic when we were all, you know, like shut in at home and isolated from each other. I felt very grateful to have this this mode of work that I could do to try to help myself, frankly, and others get through a time when we were so disconnected, you know? Mm,
1: yeah. I love what you say about it having the power to connect us because mm. I I recently went to a concert and one of the things that the artist said was, take a look around. We're all different. Like we all have different, views, different backgrounds, different. But the one thing that we're all here for is the music. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was so powerful. And it is so true. It is such a connecting, just such a connecting piece where we get to be humans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. And so you have taken your journals. Those have Mm -hmm. been the inspiration for your current album is that correct the one that just came out Mm
2: -hmm. yeah so you know in this sort of quest to make my my music a service oriented thing for for people i i write a lot of music and we put out a lot of records good to me the album that just came out is the 10th full-length album that i've released in the last 10 years so we've been on a very busy pace to get that stuff out and so about a year ago at this time, I was needing to start writing this new album. And I found myself in a place where I I didn't have any idea where I was going to get any ideas or creativity to write new songs because my reserves were completely tapped. I was just on empty, largely because most waking moments of my day and even the moments when i was trying to sleep <laughs> were occupied by just a lot of fear and anger and worry about the state of our world you know you know think about a year ago at this time end of 2021 we were in yet another wave of the pandemic you know which we were all so very sick of <laughs> by then and you know i remember trying to figure out how to see family for the holidays in a safe way. And, you know, just, it was stressful for so many of us. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that was happening. We were still in the same calendar year as the insurrection at the U S Capitol, you know, and just seeing, you know, that was not the end of that story. There is still a movement in this country of rising fascism. And that stresses me out. Like our democracy is really under, under threat from a group of people who hold a lot of power and I, I found myself, those, those are the two big, big things also just tuning into the news. And I'm pretty like, I, I I keep touch with what's going on in the world. So like, you know, you can't read the news every day without coming across some new reason why climate change is wreaking havoc on some part of the population somewhere. You know what I mean? So like, I was just, my spirit was just, was broken about a year ago. And I was faced with this idea that I had to write an album and I didn't, I was like, how am I going to do that? Where am I going to find anything inside me, you know, worth making, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, within this state of being. And so I don't even know how or why it happened, but it occurred to me that I needed to, I needed to do some personal work. I needed to do some personal healing work in my journal before I could even begin to write. And somewhere in, in starting that, it occurred to me that, I could maybe document this process of healing, this intentional healing that I was going to set myself about to try to figure out why. Why am I holding on to so much of this fear, anger, and worry? You know, this is—it's robbing me of my sleep. It's robbing me of my peace. I wanted to dive in and figure that stuff out. But what if I were to document that, not just in my journal, but then use those journal entries to become songs and actually share? this process that i was going to go through sort of on a personal level with my community via songs and and so that's how the album idea was sort of born really it was just me kind of opening up the pages of my own journal and sharing that sharing the results with my community no this felt scary mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that in one sense. Like there's going to be some ugly things revealed and there were, you know, things I'm not super proud of in terms of like how I was coping with some of the stressors, you know, but you know, that's, that's part of what the healing journey was for me was to excavate some of those things that, that weren't working. And, mm-hmm. and that meant taking a really honest look at, at, at what I was doing to myself <laughs> in trying to cope in ways that, that weren't serving me.
1: love the vulnerability of that and it is so scary, but so powerful. So, so powerful. And yes, we do our own work and we journal and we, you know, we can be introspective and do it from a a place of quiet, like behind the scenes. I think that's a lot of people's healing journeys are are Mm -hmm. very private. Of course. Uh, But then it also, because they are so private, it makes people feel like they're totally alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to take your healing journey and put it out there in your music and be that vulnerable, I think it brings a whole nother level of healing for for ourselves when we can mm. you know, really truly step into the light and not have anything hiding anymore mm. but also for other people
2: mm-hmm. oh my gosh well when i and it, this this journey that i that i've been on for this album was informed a lot by 12 the 12 step recovery that's part of my life i i have recovery in a program called coda which stands for codependence anonymous and it's a program that I entered almost immediately after leaving the church when I was in my, I was about 30 years old, early thirties. In that program, I mean, I, I learned for the first time what it meant to actually get honest about stuff, like to actually name the things, you know, one of the, one of the most powerful things about being in recovery was exactly what you were just saying, sitting in that circle of people who were all there to get better from whatever, you know, what, in whatever flavor that meant for them, you know, everybody's story is different, but the same, you know, Mm -hmm. and being able to sit in that circle and hear other people who had been doing the work on themselves for longer than I had, you know, share their stories, share their experience. We call it in the program, their experience, strength, and hope, (laughs) you know, but to hear their stories and to see, oh my gosh, there's actually a path out of this Torment that I've been in, there's actually a way out. Like them sharing in a in a real and vulnerable way what they'd been through
1: mm-hmm.
2: held the door open for me to walk through, you know. And like that is a gift we can give each other. Like when in 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 when when we feel like we are able to share, you know. That, and that there are some things obviously that that folks you know. Don't want to or don't need to share publicly, or and always it's sharing with with people that you feel like you can trust your story with, right? Or at least you know. Obviously, I'm not vetting every single person who's listening to my album, (laughs) you know. So it's not like I have a trusting relationship. But but I but I've you know I've 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 reached a point with with at least these this topic of things that you know I feel fine with sharing it publicly. But like we we give a gift to each other when we do that. Like I've been I've been the recipient of that gift many 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 times in my life, and Mm -hmm. so. It's, it's beautiful to be able to connect with each other in that way.
1: Yes, it is. I want to ask you that you just piqued my interest in something. Yeah. I have never heard of CODA before, which oh. is wild. And I, as a therapist, I'm like, where have I been? Is this Well, I have a few questions because I know you said you're, you left the church, you had a deconstruction journey starting in your thirties. How for you did that relate to codependency? (laughs) Do you have three hours?
2: (laughs) Okay. I mean, yes, I, 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 in, in learning about my codependency, it became clear to me that I learned some of it in that religious system that I grew up in and there are so many parallels in terms of let me let me just break down for a moment actually I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get into this for me and everybody's story is going to be a little bit different but for me i describe my codependency that there's a couple different facets one was that it was rooted very much in a need that i felt in my soul for approval, praise, and affection. You know, some of that came from my family of origin patterns that I learned there. I learned how to be the good girl growing up, the peacemaker, the, you know, putting everybody else's needs or desires before my own. And, you know, years and years and years of doing that, you know, when I... I came to understand in my, in my late twenties, early thirties, that like, I had sort of lost my own identity because I'd been giving it away for so many years in order to fit in or have people like me or approve of me. Like I've been deferring my own identity to others for a very long time. And that's partially, you know, family of origin stuff, but it's also partially having been raised in a, a church system, a religious system that talks a lot about grace. But in practice, I experienced as being a lot about judgment and about a threat. Like if you step out of line, that there's a threat, an implicit threat that you're going to be judged or ostracized. It was a system of control. And so that sort of fed into my codependent tendencies because I I, I came to an understanding... Later on, when I in, in CODA, that my behaviors to try to gain and keep people's appraise, approval, praise, and, and acceptance was really a manipulation. I was manipulating people to give me what I needed. Right? Mm-hmm. It's about control. It's about me trying to control the environment around me to get what I need to feel okay which by the way, doesn't work, but that's, <laughs> that's a whole other a whole other tangent. But I learned that in the church too. That was, that message was reinforced in the church for me that I, I didn't feel like I, I could be real or authentic in any way, because I, I was terrified of being of the judgment or the ostracization that I, that I saw happening to other people who stepped out of line, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it reinforces the notion that i had to keep up i had to keep up my outward facing persona you know as something that would be acceptable and that just did such damage to my spirit my you know my leaving the church and leaving my marriage were tied together but it it was it was really the leaving only happened after things got pretty desperate for me i was pretty depressed and i had begun entertaining the idea of this it would just be easier not to go on at all you know, and so it was a it was a life or death decision to either make a big change and figure out what was going on with me or or not. <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to get i, I, I the going down a, a rabbit trail that that's too too far from the question you asked, but no. the, the codependency really was. Part of part of that system, and I have been and I still i mean it's been i'm forty eight years old now, so I've been outside of that system for eighteen years, and I'm still peeling back layers. I mean it just takes a long, long time, but recovery is a day by day thing anyway, and so that's okay. like we wake up every day, we choose to nurture new patterns you know in our lives every day, and it's going to be a lifetime journey, but that's okay because it's brought me every good thing in my life since
1: then.
0: So Mm -hmm. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Always a deeper level that we get to uncover, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have so many people that I work with. They feel like, well, shouldn't I be over this? I've done the work. Like, shouldn't this be done now? What's wrong with me that I can't move forward or why does this keep coming mm-hmm. back up for me and it's like this will probably come up for the rest of your life in mm-hmm. different ways, but you know you're not at step one like you were mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. now when it comes up you're at step fifty it's it's mm-hmm. it's different right so I think there is a lot of self compassion to be had in that journey. Oh yeah. But it is and I can I can totally relate because mm. I would say my deconstruction journey really started probably 10 years ago and I feel like I'm mm. a little tiny baby still in a lot of ways.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's surprising to me. Like, I mean, I've, I've been at this for 18 years and I wasn't calling it deconstruction back then. I just left the church. That's what... Mm-hmm. And I thought I was the only one. Actually, no, no, no. I had one other friend. She's still my best friend to this day who, who went through a similar transition right around the same time. And we had each other And that was amazing. What an immense gift in my life. But, you know, I started hearing the word deconstruction and hearing, you know, about communities of people who are supporting each other through their deconstruction only in the last like five years or so. And I'm like, what's this? (laughs) It was just, it was revelatory to so you know, to see that, and I was so encouraged, but like we didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't calling it that back, back then. And but, and it's just been so wonderful to find other people, you know, who get me on that level. But you're right. I'm, I mean, 18 years later, I'm still, there are still thoughts that will pop into my head as a reaction to something that's happened or some, you know, bit of information. And I'll be like, wait, what? No, that's the old pathway that mm-hmm. I'm, you know, but I can recognize it probably a lot faster than I used to. And I have tools to reroute my responses to things. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like, it takes a long, long time for a river to carve a Canyon through a mountain pass. You know what I mean? And our brains are like those mountain passes, like those river canyons, like the stuff that we were raised with the stuff that we spent so many years carving those pathways in our brain it takes a long time to reroute that sometimes. And Mm so, yeah, we've got to give
1: ourselves a lot of grace. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Even when it's been rerouted, sometimes it goes back to the, Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Nope. Your path is over here. What are you doing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Well, I would love to dive in a little bit more to some of the 12-step components that really influenced you in writing some of your songs. So let me ask this. It kind of feels like it I'm asking a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. There are no dumb (laughs)
0: questions.
1: (laughs) So is the 12-step program for the codependency anonymous similar to the traditional 12-step? it's exactly the same.
2: It is. Uh, it is okay. yeah, all the all 12 step programs are essentially the same. My husband is has 18 years sobriety in AA and that was one of the things we connected with the night we met. We're like, "Oh my gosh, we're both recently in recovery and we talked for 3 hours about it." Uh-huh. But, but but we talked for 3 hours about it because even though I don't have an issue with alcohol and you know, his his symptoms are different than my symptoms, but the but the underlying causes and conditions can be very similar and the, and the work is the same to to excavate those things the steps are essentially the same there's a word that you sub instead of you know you would instead of saying that you are an alcoholic, you would say, you know, that you're dealing with your relationships with others, if you're a codependent, you know, so like there's but the, but the majority of the 12 steps are like all the work is the same, the same work. And this album isn't, isn't necessarily based on the 12 steps themselves. There are just some principles from my 12 step recovery that I drew from for this, the journey that I've been on this last year. I mean, certainly in 12 step recovery, there is a big component of actually naming, putting down on paper stuff that you need to face. Right. So like when mm-hmm. you're making your inventory of things that you need to eventually make amends to people for, you know, like these are the big, those are the big, the big items that when they're unfaced become big shame balls <laughs> inside our spirits, you know, and you know, for people like my husband who, who is an alcoholic or recovering alcoholic, you know, he may have dealt with that big shame ball by drinking or using drugs you know, that was, that was the symptom. That was his go-to method. My, my way of dealing with that unspoken stuff that I couldn't name or face was to manipulate the relationships in my life to give me praise, you know, to give me approval. So it's different, but it's the same again, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's sort of, hopefully that answers your question about, totally. about 12 step recovery. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that's really helpful. I yeah. think there's a lot of misconceptions, probably about 12 step recovery. I'd love to hear, you know, that you're, you've both used it to dive in Mm. to different your different healing places essentially Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I wanted to say one more thing. There are, I think there,
2: I had misconceptions about 12 step recovery too. And especially since I left the church and went into 12 step recovery, one of the big hurdles for me right up top was this concept of a higher power, because that's a part of 12 step recovery. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got done with that. (laughs) And so having to, you know, how to having to figure that out was a bit, was a big hurdle for me, but Honestly, just and briefly, it goes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago about when we share our stories with each other and we open up possibilities for one another. We open up other people's possibility for healing when we share our own stories. Very quickly in my program, that became my definition of a higher power. Sitting in that circle and hearing other people share and feeling the power in that room because we were all there together sharing our stories being authentic and vulnerable with each other in, in a, an environment where we were all trying to get better. Mm -hmm. That was a power bigger than me. And I could get down with
1: that, Mm, (laughs) you know? So it
2: was really, it was helpful for me, my
1: own misconceptions (laughs) to to reach
2: that understanding for myself.
1: Yes. And it can be different for each of us. Absolutely.
0: Support comes from Delta V Digital, helping businesses navigate the digital landscape by transforming ordinary strategy into true digital market leadership with a suite of services, including search engine optimization, paid search campaigns, and data-driven design and development for actionable results that energize your business. Learn more at deltavdigital.com. Chances are you know all about the downside of drinking, the anxiety, damage to your body, lost days, lost relationships. And yeah, it's important to remember that stuff, but we're two sober movement teachers and coaches who wanted to create a podcast that goes beyond the downside of drinking and explore the upside of sobriety. And why ditching alcohol is so much more than just liberating yourself from hangovers. Although that's pretty good too, as well as work, holidays, spirituality, productivity, relationships, social justice, and so many other topics. Plus, every episode will bring you a big sober energy tip and a guided meditation or movement sequence especially for people in recovery. So if you're sober or considering a zero-proof lifestyle, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Hangover Liberation Society. Listen to the Hangover Liberation Society wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a wonderful space to get your audiobooks, podcast, guided wellness, as well as Audible originals and I love to be able to listen to audio books and also be able to multitask and learn at the same time and in this episode Shannon talks about some of her very favorite books uh, codependent no more anything by Brené Brown and the book big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert which I agree are all fabulous and all amazing ways to dive deeper into your growth to learn while you're doing the mundane things of life like laundry and cleaning and driving. (laughs) So why not optimize your time and learn as you go? Audible is giving two free audiobooks and a free 30-day trial to any new subscribers after your free trial is done, it's only $14.95 a month, and you can cancel at any time. There's no contract. So every single month, you can be listening to a brand new book, learning something new, and if you're not going to go for a self-help book, sometimes it's fun to even download some books that you can listen to with your kids in the car other than them being on devices, which is typically what my children like to do. (laughs) So, so many different amazing uses for it. It has definitely been a personal growth tool that I have appreciated so much. So to check it out, go to audibletrial.com slash we podcast and you can get signed up. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash we podcast. All right, let's get back to the conversation. There is such power in coming together and lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. I, we need it. You know, I think this mm-hmm. is the way that we are programmed as humans to sit in those deep places with other mm-hmm. people. And I think we a lot of times are too scared to go there. But mm. there's just such healing power in that place. Mm-hmm. For lots of reasons, we're scared to go there because
2: I mean, like, think about like our online culture. There's so much pressure to post like the perfect Instagram photo. You know, that's mm-hmm. got the the filter on it that makes you look like you have no blemishes, and you know, right? Like, <laughs> and there's there's just an immense amount of pressure to present that kind of an image to the world, whether it's in social media or just in our lives. You know, there's a, an immense amount of pressure to. To seem like we have it all together,
1: you know, mm, right? Uh, who of us has it all together? I, I mean, know. I was just gonna say, and no one does. <laughs> no <laughs> one has it all together. <laughs> no,
2: no, and I, and we miss out on so much connection when we maintain that facade. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you can't have a genuine connection without showing up genuinely as yourself. You know, in the world and in relationships, and it. but it's very hard to do. It's very, it's scary to do. So yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Lots of reasons why
0: we don't do that.
1: Right, I wanna just dive in a little bit too. So for your song From the Inside Out. Oh yeah. The recovery concept there that you kinda you pulled from was identifying failed coping mechanisms. Mm. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yes. So this album journey is really sort of it, it's it's meant to be i mean enjoy it however you want to but it's it's really meant to be enjoyed from beginning to end like as a linear journey okay and from the inside out was an exploration of the idea that like okay i have got some instinctual sort of like responses that i have toward the the f- big feelings i'm having about the problems in the world the stuff that's keeping me up at night the stuff that's causing me so much anger fear worry all that kind of stuff i when i'm feeling that stimulus of the fear the anger the worry i recognized that the way that i was without thinking the kinds of ways that i was responding to that stimulus were not doing me any good like yes i have genuine fear about stuff in the world and like fear can be a useful emotion right like that's and and so can anger for that matter you know, those can be useful. But in my exploration of sort of like what I was doing in response to those stimuli, I realized that there was something about the fear that like, it's not the fear, the the anger part of it, that kind of made me fired up a little bit, right? Like, I'm so angry at the people who've allowed our democracy to come under this much threat. I'm so angry at the people who have... Voted for politicians who aren't doing anything about climate change, <laughs> you know, like i'm I'm angry that like you know and and that that for a moment, that feeling of anger can feel kind of good. Do you know what I mean? Like it can make you feel sort of alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's like you've got this energy behind it, yeah, right right but It is a short lived emotion it, it It's like a flash in a pan, right? Mm-hmm. And so I found myself as I examined all of this, that I was doing, I was doing whatever I could to keep that, that fire of anger alive, right? Like I, once it faded out, I needed it again, kind of like an addiction mm-hmm. to this feeling of, you know, I've got to be angry. And the way that I was doing that was blaming. Like I was finding those people to blame for this situation that we're all in. And every time I, you know, lashed out, Even if I wasn't necessarily lashing out to people directly, it was just in my own mind, you know, Mm -hmm. lashing out at the people that I thought that you did this to us, you know, that that blame was, was, I was using blame to keep the anger fire alive inside of me. Right. Mm. But over time, that blame just starts to become resentment And resentment only ever harms the person who's holding the resentment. Mm -hmm. And I was experiencing my spirit was experiencing being sort of burned from the inside out, holding on to that resentment. It was not doing me any good. It was not changing anybody's behavior for me to think blaming thoughts (laughs) toward them. You know, like it wasn't doing anything except for corroding me. And it's a similar situation with worry, you know, worry for me, like, I feel like I've got to keep it close. Like, I think, I think that maybe I feel like I, if I kept the the fear close to mind, like I kept all those worries close to mind that maybe I was in some way, like cheating the system, like that when stuff, when the bad stuff really started happening, I would be ready. Cause see, I've been afraid about it for every minute of every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But that worry, that constant worry becomes despair for mm-hmm. me. And despair is suffocating in a, in a similar way. It it, it was, it was smothering my spirit in a way that I, I was not living with any sorts, any, any amount of, of freedom or joy, certainly no peace in my life. And so the song from the inside out was just, was sort of drawn from the parts of my journal where I made those revelations like, Oh, these coping mechanisms, to keep these feelings alive that I think I need to survive this time Mm -hmm. are only doing damage to me. They're robbing me of my peace. And I'm not finding any personal power in this moment at all (laughs) because I'm so depleted. So it was just an acknowledgement of those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. And then you move on to your song, be with what is which is coming to terms with radical acceptance mm. so is that the next step or is, is that a piece of of those coping skills that are helpful for you mm,
2: yeah it, it is it is a next step for sure and this is that part of the record the song be with what is kind of think of it as sort of like the beating heart of this project because it is and it's sort of like a hinge moment like all the songs that come before it are me grappling with what's robbing me of my peace and what, I, what I'm doing to perpetuate that, coming to terms with my powerlessness and that kind of thing. Be With What Is 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 a song about, like you said, radical acceptance. And it is the thing that opens up all the possibilities that can come after it, right? This idea of acceptance. And this is also where one of my recovery tools comes into big play in this project. In 12 in Step Recovery, we have a, a saying that we recite at the beginning of all of our meetings called the serenity prayer. Again, I had to get over this the word prayer in mm-hmm. my post-religious you know, life, but I've made peace with it. And the serenity prayer is actually a really important sort of mantra to me. It's something that is present in my life every day. And it goes like this. It says, God grant me the serenity and you can whatever God means to you. That's the beauty of 12-step recovery is that 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 word God can mean whatever you need it to mean for you to to represent what you need. That God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. For the song, Be With What Is, the first thing I started out doing was just making an exhaustive list of all the things that I don't have the power to change. And it was illuminating to make that list, there were, there were like two categories of, of items on my list. One category was like things that were, are really obviously things I can't change. Right. I can't change the weather. I can't change traffic. I can't change the economy. I can't, you know what I mean? Like big thing. I can't go back in time. You know, there, are, there are, although that would be cool. And I love reading books about time travel, but you know, like I, like there are very obvious things that I don't have the power to change. And then there was this other category, like pretty much everything else on the list felt kind of squishier to me because they're all things that I have definitely tried to change, but they all have to do with other people. Like what other people think, how other people behave, other people's expectations of me or how they think about, like, it's all about other people, like other people's business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I recognize that, you know, in my trying to change those things that I don't have the power to change, I create so much suffering for myself when I don't just accept the fact that I don't have power over those things. So be with what is, is really just an expo- It's just an expression of like, look, you know, the chorus lyrics say, well, it might be raining and I'd rather it be dry, but it's crazy making to try and fight the sky. Like, like that's an obvious example. It's the same thing when you're talking about stuff you can't change regarding other people. And so just sitting with that being with it doesn't mean that I'm ex- that I'm approving of it like even if stuff is absolutely wrong shouldn't have happened shouldn't be happening right acceptance doesn't mean tacit approval like that was a big lesson for me in that was that I can I can accept what is real without judgment hmm. and there was a lot of freedom
1: in that yeah i love that line that you just <laughs> So good
2: I live in the Pacific Northwest So it's raining a lot
1: (laughs) Yeah (laughs) So let's look at the last two I want to make sure that we touch on these Because you have two other songs With some really powerful insights That are related to them
0: Hold still
1: The silent C is about learning to trust your inner truth.
2: Yeah. You know, as we sort of, as I sort of progressed in this journey, like if I've accepted the things I cannot change now, I have courage to change the things I can, you know, we work through what courage looks like and, and, and choosing courage to change things. I can, I, I made a list of all the things I can change. Right. And that was That's why courage is required because I made the list and like, holy cow, that's a powerful list and it's up to me. And that felt very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But then I found myself at a point where I was like, well, well, then what's next? If I do have the power to change this, you know, this list of things that I've made here, they're they're mine to do something about. What do I want to do about them? You know, and that felt like, okay, how do I figure out what's next? What step do I take? You know, And, and the silent sea became sort of just a meditation on the idea of, of getting still, getting back in touch with those original feelings that were fueling the bad coping mechanisms earlier on. But now that I've released those, now can I listen to what those feelings are telling me like messengers? Mm. Can I, can I listen to what they're saying on a, a, in a, in a, in a more still place and listen to what my fear and my anger are telling me? Yeah. Are they giving me messages about things that I value? You know, that that's something that, that's useful for me to know, because then I can act according to those values. Mm-hmm. Are they telling me about needs that I have? And if I can identify those needs, then maybe I can actually act toward, you know, getting those needs met, meeting those needs for myself. And so the silent is, you know, I, I think that I have had moments in my life and I talk with a lot of people who have expressed this too, that it's, that it's scary to sit with our own feelings it can be scary because they're really powerful and like feelings are powerful and they, they can lead us into places that feel dark or scary or uncertain. But also I, I, I found for myself that that is the power of those feelings is that that's the place where I learn about myself, Mm -hmm. what I want to be about, who I want to be, what I need to do for myself.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, that's the beginning that lets silent place. And so that's what that's what that song's about. Rather than trying to cover them up or numb the feelings or- Oh, yes. Get rid of them leaning in and really mm-hmm. listening because they, I I totally agree. They are mm-hmm. messengers. As soon as we can listen to what they're trying to tell us, yeah. then we can release them. But if we don't ever listen- then they're constantly knocking at our door hello pay attention to me (laughs) I have something to tell you yes (laughs) I totally know what you mean yeah yeah because I am All right. And then your last one, I am. So reconnecting with your serenity and your power. Mm, Yeah. So I am comes right after the silent sea on the album.
2: And I, I set myself sort of like a, the task of really taking inventory of, okay, I've, I've, I've let go. I've identified coping mechanisms that aren't working for me. I've let them go. I have, I have practiced radical acceptance around things. You know, I have, I have identified the areas in which I do have the power to change things. I have listened to what I need as a starting place for like stepping into, you know, using my agency in my life, you know, that kind of thing. And so the the song I am is kind of just like a series of affirmations about like, you know what, I actually have a lot of power in the, in these circumstances that were making me previously feel so powerless, so helpless, so just swirling and like drowning in, you know, the fear, the worry, the anger. I actually do have quite a lot of power in my day-to-day experience in my life to define who I am, what I want, who I'm going to be about, what I'm going to be about, who I'm going to be as a person. And so I am is just, it's just the, the lyrics to the song are pretty much... I mean, I had to make a few things rhyme here and there, but like other than that, they are drawn almost directly from just a stream of consciousness, you know, set time journaling, just telling myself, you know, you know who you are. You know, you know who you are, you know that you have choices that you are going to make according to your values and your needs. In in exploring that, I those things that I also realized that when we when I am standing in that power that I have in myself it's a whole lot easier to recognize other people who are doing that too. You know, like I can mm-hmm. like I look around and see, oh, I see that you love yourself. <laughs> I can see that, you know, your power and like the connections that we can make with each other mm-hmm. from that place are like super power, you know, like uh-huh. I really think that like, and this is what, the, what brought me to the conclusion, you know, this idea that it's possible that healing ourselves is the first step toward healing the world. Because when I am able to stand in my own power in that way, and I see others who are doing that too, think about what we can do when we join forces with each other, right? Oh, Even no. in that moment, I realized we're, we're destroying some of the, the hierarchy that exists to keep us all down, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I see you, I see you owning yourself and you see me doing the same thing. And from that place of being together, we, there's just so much that's possible. And also like, you know, it, it really matters to me to to be doing something about the stuff that upsets me about the condition of the world. Like it really, I'm, I I consider myself an activist, and I I get involved in causes for democracy, for social justice, and things like that. And I recognize that, like, if I'm doing that from a place where I am drained of my my spirit is drained, it's not sustainable. That like that work isn't sustainable when I'm doing it from that kind of a place. But when I'm doing the work on a daily basis to heal myself and I'm joining with other people who are doing that, there's no stopping us.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like preach, even though preach is a trigger for, but (laughs) how about we reclaim it? Yeah, (laughs) there we go. I know I need another term for amen. I know (laughs) (laughs) word. That works. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll come up with something. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It, it that's how everything changes, right? Mm. When we come together and stand in our power, and mm-hmm. it's such a different way of being. I think I feel like we're coming out of an era of victimhood. Oh yeah, and. I feel it shifting. I don't know if you feel it shifting, but I feel like, you know, the generations before us, there was a lot of, you know, I don't have power over myself. I, other entities or powers have power over me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're really moving into a place where we are more empowered within ourselves and understanding how to take responsibility for ourselves and mm-hmm. how to make our own changes. And I think that's really huge. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've, we live in a society that
2: has, a, that has existed within a structure, within a system that's reinforced that victim, right. That, that powerlessness, right. that, that mm-hmm. That's what, that's what the social hierarchy it's been all about. That's what patriarchy is about. That's what racism is about. It's about, you know, keeping in place these, this power structure. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think that you're right. It is changing. And I think it's been changing for a long time. I think each generation has done their work to chip away. And that was one of the things I realized, you know, in, in this, in this project that I was on, that I put myself on this last year, there are people throughout history who have experienced much worse circumstances personally and societally than I'm Mm -hmm. experiencing right now as a middle-aged white woman in America.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: And I read what they wrote and I hear the songs that they sung and they managed to figure out how to have peace in their lives and how to stand in their power Mm -hmm. in much more daunting circumstances that I'm in, in this moment. And that inspires me, you know, they, they held the door open for me,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know? Uh, And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think things, things are shifting and we owe it to the folks that came before us to our gratitude for having shifted what they were able to shift in their lifetimes too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. So much gratitude. I want to ask you really quickly, do you have any favorite books? I know I'm totally shifting topic. Any favorite books related to codependency or oh. your journey? It doesn't have to be related to codependency, but...
2: well. I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually read it in quite a long time, but she's come out with a new version. And so I think of, I'm actually going to be picking up at Melody Beatty's book, Codependent No More is sort of foundational. And I read it for early on in my recovery, but if anyone's interested in learning about codependency, that's a great place to start. We'll hear your stories told in other people's stories. Yeah, <laughs> Most likely if you are, if you are somebody like me, but I I am I'm a huge fan of the work of Brene Brown. I imagine you are too. I'm just mm-hmm. guessing from some of the language that I hear you using <laughs> in your podcast. You know, Daring Greatly was was monumentally monumentally impactful for me, her book Daring Greatly. But her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, has kind of become something of like a manual for me. Like I, I read through the whole thing, but I keep it handy also because when I'm experiencing a feeling I'm not sure what to do with, I can honestly probably find it in there and be like, okay, what's this all about?
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah,
2: very, very helpful. And in terms of like bringing the creativity aspect of it into it, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, mm-hmm. it is fantastic. She really, really gets into sort of the the underlying sort of spiritual condition. In in the act of creating, and it's beautiful and encouraging, and you will feel less
1: alone when you read that book. I love that one too. Yeah, we are right there. We yeah, (laughs) (laughs) on the same wavelength. I love love it. it. So glad. So glad. All right, I'm going to go ahead and ask you my questions. So the first question is: Is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? My recovery
2: that's like an easy answer and it's also the a big big answer because my my recovery i believe that it's responsible for every good thing in my life it's not like it's an entity that does that for me it's me showing up to do that work right like it's it's up to me to to take hold of that but like i in my professional life in my marriage in my family relationships in my friendships my recovery is Whatever is good in any of those areas of my life, I believe it's a result of my recovery work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Walking away from this podcast, what do you want to make sure that people know? How How do you distill that to one thing? (laughs) You You can You can choose more than one if you. Oh
2: gosh! (laughs) I mean, like on like an existential level, I want you to know that you're okay and you're enough and you're you got this. But I want people to know. You know, and I, I guess just relating this to, to the journey I've been on and the, the album that we just put out, I guess I would, I would tying it to that would want people to know that if you're experiencing a lack of peace in your life, are you feeling disconnected to your own power in any way? Those things belong to you. Peace belongs to you. Power belongs to you. And you can grab hold of them when you want them.
1: Soak that in. rewind listen (laughs) your album it comes with a companion book or is that companion book already out or tell us a little bit about that
2: great question yeah so the album came out december 2nd and you can stream that anywhere you stream music worldwide you know we if you listen to Spotify, you'll find it. My name is Shannon Curtis. The album is good to me. We hope you go listen to it. Uh-huh. The book, there's a companion book that's going to be released. It's right now we're releasing advanced copies just to our supportive community. There's a group of people that, that, sort of on a monthly basis support the work that my husband and I do and so they're getting advanced copies because they are special but the the book will be more widely released in 2023 and the book is i have reproduced those journal entries that became the songs so the journal entries i i cleaned them up a little bit for like readability but but essentially it's just what i what i wrote in my journal in response to each of these prompts you know a series of 10 prompts that became the songs in the album, the prompts are in there too. So, you know, for anybody who is thinking, Hey, you know, maybe some of these ideas would be interesting for me to explore. They can take those prompts. They're not related in any way to the the sort of root issues that I was struggling with, but they are more broadly, you know, applicable to kind of whatever, whatever kind of struggle a person might be experiencing. So the prompts are there for folks to go on their own journey through this, these ideas as well. That'll be coming out in 2023.
1: Awesome. Okay. How do do how do people become a supporter like these special people that are?
2: Oh, (laughs) how do I become a special person? (laughs) I love it. So my husband and I, the entity that, that sort of there's, there's, there's me, there's him, the entity that is both of us, we call it misfit stars. We have a pod, a weekly podcast where we get on and talk about stuff. That's important to us each week, also called misfit stars, but, but the misfit stars community is all the people who support the work that we do on an ongoing basis. And so if you want to learn more about it, you can go to misfitstars.com That's the website for the podcast and also for the support community. So
1: thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure to put all of your links in the show notes too. So it's easier for people to find you, but where do you like to hang out the most? Are you on a certain social media platform that you have? What's your favorite place to be?
2: Yeah. You know what? My favorite place to be as of the last month is Mastodon. I opened an account there after Twitter started going full on fashion. (laughs) And I, absolutely love it. Like I'm going to just like preach a little bit about Mastodon. Like it is a decentralized social network. It's not owned by any corporation. It's it's mil- it's like thousands, maybe millions of servers all over the world that people operate on their own. So there's no there's no one entity sort of like in a walled garden where you you have to be in in their world. It's not corporate in that way. It's kind of the way the internet maybe should have always been. It is, it is run by people. It's decentralized. There are moderation tools that people use. Like it, it's just a, and it, all of that to say, it's a really like warm, welcoming place. Like it's a place where I'm having wonderful discussions with human beings from all over the world. And it's, and it's just very nurturing and human. It's, it's more human than any social network I've been on ever. So Mastodon wow. is my fave right now. Okay. I have <laughs> um, not heard of this yet. Yeah. yeah, so it's worth looking into.
1: But I'm also on Instagram and and Facebook. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Everyone go out and listen to Shannon's amazing music. And I there yes, you, you already said people can find it pretty much anywhere. Yep. I know when I was looking and listening, it was fairly easy to access. So Thank you for that. Thank you for being here and sharing your heart with us and your story. And thank you for sharing your vulnerability through your music. I think it it makes a huge difference. Thank
2: you so much for having me, Sarah. This was so much fun. I feel like we could talk about other branched off topics for another couple of hours. It's true. <laughs> totally
1: true. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the We Podcast. I'm grateful for you showing up with us in this space. If you'd like to connect, please look for links to our social media and ways to get in touch in the show notes. This show is produced by Loudspeaker Public Media. You should also know that Loudspeaker is completely listener supported and that you can become a member at loudspeaker.org. You can find more of the WE podcast as well as so much more awesome programming on the network. And again, that's at loudspeaker.org. Also, giving credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. If you heard something that resonated with you and you know it would be helpful for others, please don't forget to share with your friends. You can also read more of our blog focused on all things personal growth at theweespot.com. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth. Show up for the hard conversations. Choose growth and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.
2: This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.